Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and thank you for listening to this special edition Thanksgiving episode. Now, with only four podcasts on the slate for this week and an interview with Skylar Timmons of Purple Row, where we talk about the state of the Rockies this offseason, already recorded in the can, set to drop Friday morning at 5 a.m., always Monday through Friday at 5 a.m. Didn't need to do any more shows, but frankly, I love doing this so much, and you know, I couldn't resist doing a little special show, hitting the high notes on what's been going on in baseball right now. And everyone's just been so great on the feedback. So I wanted to give back some more today for y'all without any ad reads, none. Nothing about Strava Craft Coffee, Breckenridge Brewery, Green Mountain Dental Group, Manscaped, none of that. DraftKings Sportsbook. I, I do want to point out, though, uh, that they've got a Thanksgiving special right now that I'm going to be tapping into where you can bet up to $25 risk-free if your same-game parlay doesn't win today. And I don't even think you need any code for that. So no ads for ball, snoosleep.com, sexy pizza, American Raptors rugby, nothing. Instead, all I ask is you leave a review for the podcast anywhere you download the DNVR Rockies podcast. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you again for listening in. Super, super appreciate it. Let's just jump into it. Some moves that are happening around the game of baseball in the last two days. Right-handed pitcher Antonio Santos was claimed by the Mets, a former Rockies starter, reliever, made his debut in 2020, couldn't really get off the ground in 2021, and so the Mets are going to use him as a nice depth piece since much of their starting rotation Looks like it's headed elsewhere. We'll get to that a little little later on in the podcast. Ryan Castellani also going elsewhere. Signs with the Athletics minor league deal, presumably with an invite to big league camp. He debuted in 2020. Had that amazing first start against the D-backs where he had a no-hitter going deep into the game. It wasn't too deep because he had given up a lot of pitches at that point. Couldn't keep it together, but... Had one start in 2021, never really came to fruition. So we wish Ryan and Antonio Santos, we wish those two the best of luck in their respective places. Rockies did sign three players in the past week. Logan Cozart, I tweeted about that during the week. He had a really good season. He's been pretty solid throughout the entirety of his minor league career. I think he had a sub-four ERA in a league that has an average ERA of five. 
in the formerly Pacific Coast League. So it's good to see Kozar back. Could be a depth piece. We might see him at some point this season. I also signed DJ Peterson, who's been kicking around independent baseball for the last few years as a former first-round pick. And Michael Peterson, a right-handed pitcher who also hasn't really been able to get things together for himself. But the signing of DJ Peterson is interesting because he's an alumnus of the University of New Mexico down in Albuquerque. And he's actually going to join Jordan Pacheco, which, if you haven't heard, that's also news from this week. He was signed to be the hitting coach for the Albuquerque Isotopes down in AAA, the Rockies' top affiliate. So two local guys coming back to the Duke City. Wade Davis announces his retirement on Wednesday. He's a three-time All-Star. Won the World Series in 2015 with Kansas City. Was with the Rockies for that 2018 run. Finished with 43 saves that led the National League. Was also a franchise record for saves in a season by a Rockies closer. His career is going to finish with 141 career saves. 10.4 wins above replacement, according to baseball reference. And approximately $76.5 million in career earnings. Not too bad. It was also announced on Monday that comeback player of the year for the American and National League were Trey Mancini and Buster Posey. Now, you know the story of Mancini a little bit. You got to see it this summer, especially as he took part in the home run derby, even though he wasn't a proper all-star. You know, he missed all of 2020 undergoing treatment for stage three colon cancer, had successful surgery to remove the tumor, went through six months of chemotherapy in order to play this season, report to spring training on time, cancer-free. That's that's a great story. That's That even goes beyond comeback player of the year. Posey came back because he didn't play in 2020, sat out, was able to opt out. So he did that. So yeah, okay, that's a type of comeback. I do prefer the stories of overcoming some kind of adversity. And look, when you're a catcher that's been banged around and there's a, a rule named after you essentially because, frankly, you know you were, you were a tackling dummy and you've had some concussion issues, I get it. Buster Posey deserves to have a year off. I think all catchers, that, that might be something you put in the CBA. Hey, after six years of being in the majors – you get a year to just take off and just relax a little bit or or take two half seasons, whatever it is, because that is a rough job. So he wins the award, one of several players to do it, most recently Francisco Liriano. Now, 2005 was the first year that MLB started giving out these Comeback Player of the Year awards officially, but the sporting news has been doing it since the 60s. Brett Saberhagen won it twice, Boog Powell. Andres Galarraga won it twice. First, when it looked like his career was all but over with the Cardinals, Don Baylor and the Rockies coaching staff in that inaugural season in 1993, bring him back from the dead. He has that great year. And then after going through his own cancer scare, comes back in 2000 with Atlanta and wins the award. So he's also a two-time winner. Some other Rockies, too, who have won the award, some of the Rockies who have won the award, Greg Holland won it in 2017, missed all of 2016, recovering from Tommy John surgery, missed out on playing in the World Series. He was a part of that 2015 Royals club that won the World Series, but he got injured late in the year, and I think he even had his surgery at the beginning of October, so he didn't get to participate in that. Definitely earned that award in 2017, as did another reliever and closer for the Rockies, Daniel Bard. 
You know, he hadn't made an appearance in the big league since 2013, really 2012 was his last full season. He only made two appearances in 2013, but lost command of his pitches, you know, was given a couple opportunities with the Cubs, Mets, Rangers, Pirates, Cardinals, but just couldn't figure it out. Didn't have it. Spent all of 2018 and 19 serving as a mentor, mental strength coach with Arizona before getting that minor league invite with the Rockies in 2020 and figured it out. Beautiful story. Tyler Matzik, we saw him, you know, get that done also in 2020. Went under the radar a little bit last year. Obviously in the postseason this year, he figured it out and looked great. You can actually go check out the Drew Goodman podcast today. That will drop on Thanksgiving. He's got a great interview with Tyler Matzik. But Daniel Bard also doing it last year. Some other interesting names you might want to know. Jason Giambi, he first won it in 2005. And Brad Lidge, a guy who grew up in Inglewood, played baseball at Cherry Creek High School. He won the award in 2008, I believe, with the Phillies. Free agent news? Well, the Giants bring back Anthony DeSclafani, three years, $36 million. I think they're still in talks with Alex Wood. No announcement yet on what his contract might look like. Aaron Loop, a left-hander who I think had a sub-1 ERA last year. One of the least heralded performances in a season by a reliever I can remember. And I really only stumbled upon that in doing research about Lucas Gilbreth because for the second half of the season, he had an ERA barely above one. And I thought, well... How does that fare against other left-handers? And holy crap, look at Aaron Loop. He's going to get paid. He also goes from the Mets to the Angels and follows Syndergaard. He gets two years, $17.5 million. I think there's a little option in there too, so could it be an even bigger payday for Loop? Kendall Graveman goes to the White Sox, three years, $24 million. Rangers have reached out to Clayton Kershaw. We know that could be a natural fit. For Kirsch, as that's somewhat of his hometown team. Same things rumbling around, of course, as we know about Trevor Story. few players that were designated for assignment. I pointed them out on Monday. They would be really good fits for the Rockies. Well, they were already snatched up. Giants, Trey J. Jackson to Atlanta. Again, anytime you designate a player for assignment, you're not going to get back much, if, if anything. We saw that with David Dahl last year where he was designated for assignment and Rockies couldn't get a bag of balls for him because you've got zero leverage at that point. Rangers end up acquiring Zach Rex and Billy McKinney from the Dodgers. Rex is a guy who played ball down at the Air Force in Colorado Springs, so has a nice little Colorado connection there. It's going to be a little bit harder for the Dodgers to swing a deal with the Rockies, Rockies to swing a deal with the Giants. We know how that goes. But picking up scraps like this you know, isn't quite the same as not trading Nolan Arenado to the Dodgers. We know that's a no-no. You definitely don't want to do that. This, maybe it could have happened, maybe not. Nevertheless, there are going to be some players that the Rockies kick the tires on that seem like they could be you know, low-risk, high-reward. Williams Astadio has passed through waivers, so he has now been released by the Twins and is a free agent. We'll see maybe if that works. And two other really big free agent moves that we should probably talk a little bit more about next week but I will touch on them today. Wander Franco signs an 11-year, $182 million extension with the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do know that name already by now. We talked last week with Kevin Henry, a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America, writes for Rocks Pile, was a voter in the NL Rookie of the Year Award, 
And we talked about how difficult it can be voting on the rookie of the year because I think you could look at it in a couple different ways. I think typically it's looked at, hey, who had the, just, just the best season, right? It's it's compiling over 162 games, who got the most out of it. And yes, Rania Rosarena was the guy who got the most out of it. He ended up winning. But Wander Franco, for his half season, was pretty darn good. Probably a little bit better when you look at the rate stats. And when you consider the fact he's only 20 years old, has been the number one prospect in baseball unanimously in the last two years, and plays a much more premier position like shortstop, you understand that in a couple of years' time, you'll look back at the 2021 AL Rookie of the Year award voting, and you say, oh, man, who who beat Franco out? Yeah, I understand he played in maybe half the amount of games as a Rosarena, but the numbers were kind of there all along. And so he's going to get paid. He's getting paid. it, And it's guaranteed money. That's the thing, too. That's why I want to break this down a little bit more. I, I remember when Ronald Acuna was signed to an eight-year, $100 million contract when it already seemed like the sky was the limit for that guy. And it seemed like he really sold himself short. I don't know that Franco sold himself short. Now, it's an 11-year deal, right? So six years into this deal, he's going to be saying, shoot, I could have been a free agent. I could have been a free agent, and what what kind of a contract would I have been able to sign then? Five years, $150 million. If he's the superstar, we all think he's going to be. Well, at that point, at that point, when he's a free agent, he might feel like he's selling himself short. But what about all those years leading up to that? What about all those years of going to arbitration and only getting paid for what you do? That's something that Acuna is not going to have to deal with now. He missed the second half of 2021. Won't be able to say, hey, look at what my client did in the postseason. That's got to be worth a little something, too, when you're pointing it out at the arbitration table. He might even miss some of the 2022 season. Now, some video came out of him in a batting cage. It's great to see him back doing some baseball things. But if he misses any more time, that would have impacted how much money he made in arbitration. Not in free agency, but in arbitration. And so now, Acuna Jr. is getting guaranteed money. No matter what happens going forward, he's going to get paid that money. Same thing for Wander Franco. So this is a market-changing deal. There's also an option for a 12th year for the Rays at $25 million. Rather, I should say, I think it might be an option for whoever is in control of his contract in the 12th year because that's another question to answer is if he will actually finish his career as a rare finish this contract out, they signed a big long, long-term deal with Evan Longoria and eventually traded him to the giants. There's also some escalators in there that based on MVP voting could be worth $3 million each year. And so, you know, if everything plays out perfectly and even still perfect is not reasonable because he's not going to win the MVP five years in a row because no one has ever done that. I mean, bonds came pretty darn close, but we, we know why. <laughs> but yes, the maximum this deal could be is for 12 years, $223 million for a player that's played about a half season of baseball. So it's actually less than the Fernando Tatis deal because Tatis hadn't even played a full season or he hadn't even played, I should say, 162 games. 2019, remember, he got hurt, missed a decent portion of the second half. 2020, there were only 60 games. And he signs a deal ahead of the 2021 season for $300 million. And so now we've got 
another kid doing it. And he's still going to hit free agency at a decent age. Still won't be too bad. So we'll talk more about that next week. And we'll have to talk more about the Cardinals signing Steven Matz. Why is that a big deal? It's, it's really not about the Cardinals end of the end of the spectrum. It's not the Cardinals part that's worth talking about. They signed Matz to a four-year, $44 million contract. Could be worth upwards of $48 million with incentives. But the reason this is notable is because Mets owner Stephen A. Cohen does it again, shoots from the hip on Twitter. Not sure if he was using his cell phone or an iPad when he was on Twitter. We all know about the relationship between owners and iPads. But he tweets out, quote, I'm not happy this morning. I've never seen such unprofessional behavior exhibited by a player's agent. I guess words and promises don't matter, end quote. Shooting off at the hip, upset that he doesn't get his guy, which, hey, rightfully so, but he makes it public. Not a great look, not an awful look, but not a good look. Optics, not good. And, and I find this interesting for two reasons. First, it's just a bad look for the Mets, obviously. Noah Syndergaard said one of the reasons he signed with the Angels, a team who already has issues with their owner, Artie Moreno. He said that he chose the Angels over the Mets, citing essentially some dysfunction in-house with the Mets and kind of wanted to just get away from that. So out of one frying pan into another frying pan in Los Angeles, that's not great. Also, MLB is supposed to be vetting potential ownership groups before they buy a club. Did they not know Stephen A. Cohn was going to be behaving like this? Because it hasn't been good. He hasn't said anything too crazy, but he's, he's saying things when he doesn't need to say anything. And that's what's surprising. It just seems very petulant, just very unprofessional. So he doesn't get his guy. He's going to whine. It could happen a few times this offseason. There's a lot of people jumping ship, and we know what that means when people are leaving your organization and you're having a hard time replacing them. They had a hard time finding a replacement for their general manager. Finally, they locked up Billy Epler, former GM of the Angels, coincidentally, and we'll see how difficult it is for them to bring in the manager that they want. They may end up with a manager that they're okay with or one that is eighth on their depth chart because the first seven really wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. There's a possibility that's true. And I also find this story interesting because it does make me think about the Rockies and John Gray. And if John Gray will give the Rockies the final word, the final refusal, because I've been saying that they will. You know, and it's and it's not exactly Gray's call. We know that he wants to come back to Colorado. This is where he's made a home for himself. This is where he feels most comfortable. But to some degree, it's his agent's call. And if the Rockies are somehow holding their breath the same way that Stephen A. Cohn was holding his breath with Stephen Matz, a guy who's from Long Island and has strong ties with the organization, came up with the Mets, well, then we could see this scenario play out again this offseason. Of course, we hope not. Padres, a little less exciting news, but they sign a 27-year-old to be their big league hitting coach. How about that? That is interesting, especially when you consider that in last season, 
their average hitter was 28 years old. So you're going to have a guy instructing older players on how to be successful. And it's, and it's a guy that was never in the majors. It's not a guy whose career flamed out early. And I think now that's gone away too a lot. This idea of, well, hey, if you never made it to the majors, you can't tell me what to do. We know that that kind of barbaric thinking maybe, to use a phrase, no longer exists. So that will be certainly interesting to see what happens over there on Bob Melvin's staff with this 27-year-old hitting coach. And finally, the Players Association and MLB, they agreed on something, which is nice. They agreed to move up the non-tender deadline to November 30th. It was originally going to be on December 2nd, but of course, current CBA expires on December 1st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that would mean there would be a group of players just kind of in limbo. So instead, yeah, just move it up. And if you want to non-tender a player, meaning you don't want to pay his contract, he's essentially gone. November 30th is that day, I think. There could be a couple of players on the Rockies roster where you could make that case that the Rockies themselves may not want to pay a player's contract. There's no one right now on the roster that I think has a bloated contract in their second or third year of arbitration. Not at all. But I also would have said the same thing about David Dahl, and he was cut last year over $2.7 million. And there's about three or four players set to make more than that this upcoming year. So we'll see what happens with the Rockies in the next couple of days. But hope you guys enjoyed this quick little update podcast. There's going to be one more dropping tomorrow. Hopefully everyone's safe out there. You're having a wonderful Thanksgiving, packing on the pounds, going back for seconds, thirds, stashing some leftovers, eating it for the entirety of the weekend. That's really what it's all about. And again, I just wanted to say thank you all for being a part of this. For all the great feedback and love, please leave even more feedback wherever you get podcasts. And I look forward to doing this throughout the entirety of the winter, even if it means there's a work stoppage. And 33% of the time, I'm talking about collective bargaining agreement issues and money and the arbitration process and all this really dry stuff that, frankly, I love. But... I understand can be boring, but that's why I said only 33% of the time because the other 67%, the other majority, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun talking baseball movies, talking some Rockies history that you may or may not know about, or you may have forgotten or not even realized even existed because I love digging into that. So thank you all again. Happy Thanksgiving. And for DNVR Sports, I'm Patrick Lyons. Thank you for listening to the DNVR Rockies podcast.